Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we take a look back at 2020, a year where COVID-19 affected football all across the continent. Earlier this year, Liberia's president, George Weir, predicted that there would be great damage to leagues around Africa. The lifeblood of sports consists mainly of attendance fees and sponsorship. Where these no longer exist, many clubs will collapse and many leagues will close permanently. We ask how the situation is right now and if it's going to turn out to be that bad. And also Stuart analyses Manchester United's resurgence in the English Premier League. So it's our last show of 2020. Uh, thanks so much for your support this year. And it was one like no other with COVID-19. So how would you sum up this year for African football, Ida? You know, Steve, I think one of the most popular words this year has been unprecedented and with good reason, you know, from a huge part of the football calendar wiped out to sensational political drama with the powers that be in continental football. I mean, has there ever really been another year like 2020? And few, if any, I think ever really had you know, the full grasp of just how much the pandemic would affect the world. I mean, all domestic leagues in the continent came to a stop. Well, some were later on played to completion. Many others abandoned altogether. And we saw something similar happen on a continental level as well, with the CAF interclubs competitions. And thank God that those later resumed, you know, with slight changes to the initial plans. But <laughs> um, at least they were played out to the end and positive still. Amongst the challenges as well, Steve, I mean, a black man, South African Pizzo Mosimene, won the CAF Champions League with an Egyptian team, Al Ali. And we've previously gone through the significance and ramifications of that quite in depth. So no need to get into that again. But another black man, Nigerian Dubuisi Egbo, well, he qualified a team for the UEFA Champions League. And, you know, the year has been so long and so winding that some of us might forget that this was the same year that saw a woman elected as the first female president of an African football club. I'm talking about Bestin Kazidi, who now leads Congolese club AS Vita. But Steve, of course, can't go without mentioning the chaos at CAF, with suspended President Ahmad banned by FIFA a mere three months to the CAF presidential elections. So look, Yes, unprecedented. Definitely so. But also, Steve, it's been a year that's really laid bare, you know, the existing weaknesses and either seen structures completely crumble or seen stakeholders on the other side get super creative with solutions, you know. And amongst these stakeholders, I really have to give a huge kudos and especially in this, Steve, the last show of the year, to sports journalists all over the continent who got creative and went above and beyond, you know, to ensure that the content didn't stop just because the sports did, at least for some time. Uh, yeah, some days we sports journalists wondered what we'd be talking about on our shows, but somehow we never ran out of stories. 
And as we were considering the effects of the virus on the game in Africa, we heard from President of Liberia and 1995 World Footballer of the Year, George Ware, speaking back in May at an online conference to examine the direction that the African sports industry would take as coronavirus brought it to a standstill. This was organized by the ASVG, a group of African experts on the continent and beyond. And President Weir was very direct about the situation when he spoke. The lifeblood of sports consists mainly of attendance fees and sponsorship. Where these no longer exist, many clubs will collapse and many leagues will close permanently on the African continent where effective scouting fees our young, talented players to the bigger international leagues, these opportunities will no longer exist. It is therefore my considered opinion that the future of sports in Africa after the COVID-19 pandemic is bleak and problematic and is not guaranteed to recover even to pre-COVID-19 levels for many years to come. This crisis would negatively impact all clubs and all leagues in Africa and all national teams. So, Ida, has it turned out to be as bad as that? Uh, Interesting, first of all, that at that time we were talking about the post-COVID-19 era. Uh, Now it's more like living with COVID-19 still around. Uh, But here, although we haven't had any top-flight football since March here in Zimbabwe, uh, no club has collapsed as yet. So are we still going to see some of those sobering predictions from President Weir come true? Well, effects of the pandemic will be far-reaching, Steve, years and probably even decades to come. So in some instances, it might be too soon to call. But the situation in Kenya, you know, was a bit more dire compared to what you've just mentioned in Zimbabwe. As a couple of clubs, well, they're called the Sugar Belt Clubs, mainly because, you know, their sponsors were major sugar companies in the country. Well, The clubs collapsed due to the crippling financial crunch experienced in the league that was way before COVID. But I think something that has really hit home for a lot of clubs across the continent, Steve, is one, the need to professionalize sport, in this case football, and two, the importance of alternative forms of revenue. Content and media right now is king. I mean, that's how a lot of revenue is coming in for the big clubs. Look at Al Ali, for example. I mean, they launched a new studio in the middle of the pandemic, you know. And look, a lot of people out there would argue and say, you know, that's a club that's over 100 years old. They've had a huge head start, of course. But I will give an example of Hearts of Oak, you know, the oldest club in Ghana, over 100 years old as well, and with only over 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, Steve. The last time they posted was well over a year ago. Says a lot, you know, and uh, really shows where priorities lie for different clubs. For so long, Steve, clubs have relied on the traditional forms of revenue, you know, gate collection and that good old sponsorship. But things are really changing. So, I mean, this has been discussed for decades, but I think that COVID has really exposed, Steve, the glaring cracks on the wall. Yeah, things have changed this year. So clubs need to think differently to take advantage of social media and to make money with subscription content and advertising. Uh, That will help some clubs to stay afloat. 
Thanks for that, Ida. And now to another interview from our 2020 archive here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Well, the coronavirus pandemic has caused a lot of people to think deeply, to think about what really matters in life, about their limitations and about how powerless we are. It's affected the rich and the poor and some of the stars that we admire in sport, music, entertainment and elsewhere. And the virus stopped football all across the world and it's been a difficult time for players. Now, Yao Yeboah was the Ghana captain at last year's Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt, and he featured for Ghana at the 2015 FIFA World Cup in New Zealand. Yeboah was playing as a right winger for Spanish club Celta Vigo's B-side when we spoke to him. He's now with Polish top-flight side Wisla Krakow. Now, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okeleji asked Yeboah about how the pandemic has affected his life. And first about the irony that while many African players want to go to Europe, the virus has been more deadly there than in Africa. Yeah, the thing is, we are all facing it. It doesn't matter Europe or Africa. You know, we are all facing it. But of course, you know, the number of people dying in Europe is more. You understand? But the thing is, you wake up every morning watching the news and you see this kind of number dying. It's crazy. It's scary. You understand? So... Mm. Sometimes I wake up and even to walk out from my house to go to the supermarket, it's scary. I mean, you, you get that fear in you, like, why would I go out with a number of people dying, like, daily, you know? But the thing is, you have to stay safe and, and protect yourself. And then the most important is you have to eat as well, you know, mm. because at home you're training, you have to get some energy, you have to eat. So you have to do, you have to protect yourself, go out to the supermarket, get your water, get your food stuff and come back home and cook. Mm. But it's very scary, like waking up every morning, seeing or hearing this news everywhere. And then your family back in Ghana or your family back here in Ghana will call you and then they're so scared because they've been hearing the news. The number of people dying is it's, it's a lot and it's, it's, it's crazy thing. You have to be mentally strong. As a human being, what are the lessons you've learned from this coronavirus, this lockdown? What are the lessons you've learned? You know, yeah, um, very good question. The thing is, the world has never, never experienced this kind of uh, coronavirus before. You understand? So for me, I'm a Christian, so I believe in God. You know, I, I, I believe that whatever is happening in this world, God is in control. God knows exactly what he's doing. God will save his people. You understand? So, mm. for me, it's a lesson for for we, the people living on earth, to appreciate everything that we have. Mm. The most important thing is life. We have to appreciate life a lot because mm. we breathe every day. We don't pay for our breathing. You understand? So, you could see that money cannot even solve this. It's not about money. Money cannot solve this um, virus thing. You know, it's mm. not about money. It's just about you appreciating what you have and, and, and appreciating the fact that you wake up every day, you breathe freely, you get food to eat, you get clothes to wear. That's the most important thing for your life. So, and we also have to appreciate the the, the creation, you understand, like the, mm. the animals. And, and then, you know, I mean, now <laughs> people are saying that they are the one who ruling the world now. Mm. You see animals outside enjoying they don't know what is happening and we are stuck inside so mm. this is a lesson for us to to appreciate everything that we have on this earth and know that god created everything for a reason mm. and that god loves everything that he created so it's, it's a great lesson for everybody after this i think the world is going to change in a way how people are going to be careful how people are going to treat each other you know so it's basically like if you don't wake up tomorrow then what you're gone Mm. So you have to appreciate the people in your life, appreciate your family, appreciate your friends. And the most important thing is you have to appreciate life. You That's the most important thing. You said something yeah. very important there. 
about money. You know, many yeah. many say footballers are rich, but this is one virus that money can't even stop. What does that tell us? Exactly. So I mean, if money can stop this virus, I think Bill Gates and Messi, Ronaldo, they will just stop it once. You know, it, it won't even get to us with the young ones coming up. I mean, the senior players will just stop it. You understand? So this is a situation where money cannot do anything. The only thing we have to do is stay home and, and then use, I mean, appreciate the world, appreciate the air that we are living in. And then uh, stay strong and then come back and appreciate the world. Mm. Have you learned any new things about yourself? You know, when you are playing football, you don't have time. You are playing for Ghana. You are captaining your youth team. You you are playing for your club. You don't have time. During this lockdown, have you learned any new things about who you are as a person? Yeah, I mean, people are discovering a lot of stuff at home. People be like, uh, they are so busy where their family cannot keep in touch. You can't talk to your family a lot. But this is a situation where you are always home. You have to speak to your family, your friends, everywhere. Before, when we are back to football... Maybe I'll train at 12 o'clock. My friend will be training at 1 o'clock. You know, different time, different different countries, different time. And then now we are all whole. You can get in touch with all your friends, you know. Appreciate them as yeah, you're one, of, uh, one of your best friends. And, and for me, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Like, I always wake, sleep in the night. And then I'll be thinking, like, almost an hour before the sleep comes, like, Wow, what a world we are living in now. Just one virus is, is stopping every single thing in this world. And then the most important thing is stopping what we love doing, which is football. And then other people want to be outside at the beach, want to be seeing people working. So now you could see working, politics, everything is not important, you know. The only thing is to appreciate what you have and appreciate who you are and then appreciate the earth. Appreciate your life because you wake up every day. And then you breathe, and that's the most important thing. You get something to eat, you get close to where, for me, it's enough. It's enough. It's not about people chasing too much and doing that, killing people for other stuff. Come on. One way or the other way, everybody would die in this world. Mm. But now the moment where we have to appreciate ourselves, love each other. That's the most important thing. Love each other, love ourselves, and love each other as well, you know. You talk about love. Do you have any passage in the Bible that truly you can share with people if, if there's a message of hope and love or anything that you have? Do you have any that you can yeah, share? Yeah, you know, you know, when Jesus talked about the, the Ten Commandments, he said, Love your neighbor as yourself. So, mm. like now, people are the neighbors. Maybe some of them were having fight, you know, they were not talking to each other, but. This is a situation where you can't be going out, people are not getting paid. So it's basically like you have to love your neighbor, even you have a problem with him or her. Go to her or him and say, hey, can I have a sword? Can I have this? You have this? Can you borrow me this? You understand? So we have to come together as one and love your neighbor as yourself because everybody loves themselves. So you have to love your neighbor as well. So it's basically like, yeah, Jesus talk about love, love your neighbor as yourself, but being part of the, the Ten Commandments and love, the greatest love. Is, is him who died for our sins. So dying for your friends and everything, which means for this world, we can talk, uh, you can uh, explain like, okay, you have to help your friend, help your family, help your friend, help anyone you could. You understand? Like in Ghana, you can see players, uh, footballers in Europe, in, in Africa, Saudi money, they're donating money to help their, their community. And this is love. This is love, you know, so that we know that we have it. We can get food to eat easily because we, 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 we earn money every month and then people don't earn money like us. So what? We can't keep our money because nobody knows when you're going to die. You understand? You can't keep all this, your money in your bank and then what? You wake up, you don't wake up tomorrow and then what? You understand? So mm. this is when you have to spread the love 
by supporting, donating to people who doesn't have it. And and for me, it's the most important thing. You understand? So mm. we will come back. We will come back strong to this thing. One thing I want people to learn is to appreciate the world and to appreciate the people and the, the creation in this world. You understand? Mm. So if you see somebody's in need and you are in the you are in the position to help the person, just do it because you never know tomorrow. Nobody knows tomorrow. Only God knows. Only the Creator knows. Well, that's Yao Yaboa, the Ghana captain at last year's Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt. At uh, the time when we spoke to him, he was playing for Celta Vigo's B-side. He's now with Polish top-flight team Wisla Krakow. He was speaking there to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloa Sheena Okaleji. Well, on our website, planetsport.tv, we go deeper on Yao Yaboa's comments in a blog where we reflect on the year 2020 and look at the meaning of Christmas. Uh, that's on our website, planetsport.tv. Then you click on the blog section. The website again, planetsport.tv. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the chances of the team that's top at Christmas going on to win the English Premier League. Well, to social media now, last week we asked, should Mikel Arteta go? With Arsenal 15th on the table, calls for manager Mikel Arteta to leave are growing. Here with your comments is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Tikiwa. Thanks, Steve. And we start today with Gunners fan Mamayoro Ba in the Gambia. Ateta should not go now, says Mamayoro. He should be given a chance until the January transfer window. If he buys then what is needed, then perhaps he can save his position. But otherwise, he should go. We need to get Mesut Ozil back to the squad immediately. Joachim Mudanga in Uganda wonders whether the problems at Arsenal are not due so much to the coach as to the players. Probably, the whole team should look at what's letting it down, says Joachim. Is it the players' motivation or decisions made by the manager? If it is the boys' motivation, then probably that comes back to the manager. And if so, then I guess Ateta should probably go. Juladin Jawone in the Gambia is a Chelsea fan, but he too has some sympathy for Ateta. I'm not going to put the blame on Mikel Ateta alone, says Joladin. His players have let him down. For sure, the board will point their fingers at the manager in this difficult situation, but let them give him some money in January to add one or two new players, and I'm sure things will be better again for him and the club. And in Uganda, Julius Caesar Ninibe agrees that Arsenal's current problems are not solely down to the head coach. I think the problem is with the players on the pitch and not the coach, says Julius. The players are not sharp enough. Perhaps... They are not motivated for some reason. I don't think Arsenal should be firing the manager for now. But Sam Chiquilira in Malawi disagrees. Ateta should go because he has failed to deliver and therefore he should go immediately, says Sam. And Alfred Mdimba, also in Malawi, agrees. Stanley in Ghana has concerns about Ateta but thinks he should be given more time. I think he must put away his ego and try to play the right players, says Stanley. For instance... Ozil should be playing now, and with better organization of his players, he's going to get better. He's a good coach, but with his ego, he would do badly if it doesn't change. And we've had several comments this week questioning Ateta's decision to leave Ozil out of the squad. Molamin Sila in the Gambia says, I believe if Ateta is given time and funds, he might change the fortunes of the club, but he really needs to free Ozil because it's clear that he's their most creative player. Bizwek Njakwa in Malawi believes time is running out for the Spaniard. 
Mikel Arteta won some games back-to-back when he replaced Unai Emery, but since then, the team has failed to be consistent, says Biswick. Arsenal has one of the best squads to me, but Arteta is not achieving. He was supposed to be winning games. He won people's hearts more than Solskjaer and Lampard, who were also former players coaching their clubs. I support the view of the fans that he moves away for someone who can use the squad well. And we always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sports Football Africa. And here's Modu Jack in the Gambia. I'm not with the belief that he should go. I think he should be given more time to settle. It will never be as easy as what people might thought for results to come on his way, like the way the fans and everybody in the club wants it. He should be given time to put up his team, a team that he may have thought that um, will give him results. So Modu there, saying that Ateta should be given more time to achieve his ambitions at Arsenal. Efrata Kamanga in Malawi also thinks Ateta should be given more time, but not forever. He should be given this season to see if he can make a place in the top four. But if not, then maybe he can go, says Efrata. And Pa Tumani Baji in the Gambia agrees. This is a very difficult moment for him and the team, says Pa. But I believe Ateta is suffering because of the way he put his team together. The way he treated someone who did a lot for the club, namely Mesut Ozil, is definitely something that will never go well with him. I suggest to the club to give him to the end of the season so Arsenal can get a better replacement. But Muinga, Maimbolwa in Zambia, is prepared to be more patient. Yes, these are tough times for Arsenal at the moment, says Muinga. But I do believe that Mikel Arteta is the right man and will soon steady the ship given time. Hopefully, he can bring in a few additions in the January transfer window and with time, Arsenal should bounce back. Fans should back him and keep the faith. And finally, Martin Moses in Kenya says, No, Ateta shouldn't go. Rome wasn't built in a day. If the last games of last season are anything to go by, Ateta showed that he is the man for the job. He just needs to be backed financially by the board. Because honestly, the crop of players at Arsenal at the moment are a joke. So there you are, Steve. A range of different views there. But the general consensus is that Ateta should stay at the Emirates for now. But if results don't start improving soon, the picture could change by the end of the season. Well, thanks, Ash. That's Ash Tikiwa there. And after the EFL Cup quarterfinal exit, Arsenal play Chelsea on Saturday and Brighton on Tuesday. Let's go to our European football expert now, Stuart Weir in the UK. And, well, Stuart, Manchester United fans very happy with their team going into Christmas in third place, five points behind the leaders, Liverpool, and with a game in hand. Steve, when Manchester United were eliminated from the Champions League, losing three of their last four games and having lost three home league games, including the 6-1 at Tottenham, there were big questions about the future of the manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Who would have believed that United would, as you say, go into Christmas in third place in the semi-finals of the League Cup, last weekend beating Leeds United 6-2, potentially quite a difficult home game. Now people are not talking about whether Solskjaer will be fired, but whether he can take them to a trophy. Things can change very quickly. And intriguingly, Saturday lunchtime sees Manchester United go to Leicester City for second versus third clash. What an intriguing prospect. Now the 6-2 win over Leeds uh, last weekend was set up by two goals in the first three minutes by Scott McTominay. And, incidentally, 
he was the first person to score two goals in the first three minutes of a game in any division of English football since 1993. But while the manager was undoubtedly delighted to see McTominay score, it did raise questions about what is Manchester United's best starting eleven. Against Leeds, Solskjaer's midfield choices were Fred, McTominay, Fernandes and Daniel James. With this summer's big signing, Donny van der Beek, uh, $47 million worth, coming on only for the last 20 minutes after United had scored their sixth goal. But that was more than Paul Pogba got. $120 million worth of talent didn't get any playing time at all. Now, there's no doubt that van der Beek and Pogba are world-class players, but it does increasingly look as if they don't fit into the team that Solskjaer wants to put out. To the outsider, it seems very strange that the club is happy to have paid so much money uh, for van der Beek and to continue paying him and Pogba astronomical wages every week without selecting them. Van der Beek has had two starts and eight appearances off the bench this season, and normally he only gets 10 to 20 minutes, whereas Pogba had had seven starts in 13 league games, but three of those were the three home defeats. The situation also raises questions about United's recruitment. With the defence never looking secure, why should the club spend all that money on a midfield player in the summer that they apparently don't need, and certainly don't want to use, but not sign a top-class defender? However we answer these questions, it certainly looks as if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's position is secure for the moment. Yeah, uh, puzzling those uh, issues there. And as you say, Manchester United through to the semi-finals of the EFL Cup. Uh, What did you make of uh, this week's uh, games in the EFL Cup, Stuart? Yeah, we now know the semi-finalists, and it's Manchester United against Manchester City and Tottenham against Brentford. Now, we know that for most clubs, the EFL Cup is the fourth in their priorities, but the semi-finals really are quite intriguing. Manchester United won at Everton to go through, while Manchester City beat Arsenal 4-1 at Arsenal, another bad result from Arteta. Now, looking at the semi-finals, Manchester City have won the trophy for the last three years, and in fact, Pep Guardiola has never lost a game in the League Cup. Manchester United, though, will certainly not want to lose to their City rivals, and a trophy would certainly help Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's position. Similarly, Mourinho would be delighted to win a trophy for Tottenham in his first year, whereas Brentford, a championship team, would just love to make it to a Wembley final. So the the semi-finals look to be an intriguing and exciting prospect. Sure. And what else have we got for us, Stuart? Well, Steve, we've reached Christmas with Liverpool top of the league and Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United in the relegation places. Of course, we've had a late start to the season. We're still five games short of halfway. But I can tell you, Steve, that in the past 10 years, the team top of the table at Christmas went on to win the league nine out of 10 years. And two of the bottom three stayed in the bottom three at the end of the season. Now, Wolves' last 83 goals have come without a British scorer. And that's the second longest run in the history of the Premier League. But Arsenal, in 2005-2008, 
went 171 goals without a British scorer. Shows how international the Premier League is. And on that subject, we've commented on high-scoring games in the EPL. An intriguing fact is that the three goalkeepers who have conceded six or seven goals in a game this season are all Spanish. David De Gea, Manchester United, Vincente Gueta at Palace, and Adrian for Liverpool. I wonder if there's anything in that. And, Steve, I bet you didn't notice that when Liverpool beat Palace 7-0, it was the first time a club's goal scorers were from four different continents. Salah from Africa, Firmino, South America, Minamino, Asia, and Jordan Henderson from Europe. <laughs> that truly was an intercontinental effort. Thanks, Stuart. So that's it for our last show of the year. Thanks so much for your support throughout 2020. And it's been a tough year for many with COVID-19. But the team here at Planet Sport Football Africa hope that you and your family have kept safe during these challenging times. This week, along with many around the world, we'll be celebrating Christmas, a special time for followers of Jesus Christ. And one of the names of Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So to all of our friends, whether you follow one particular faith or none, may we wish you a very happy and peaceful Christmas. And we look forward to your company in 2021 here on Planet Sport Football Africa. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ash Tikiwa in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.